What's happening, everybody? Ryan Thomas here on the Crowd Assist Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and my co-host, Kevin Massari, as we dive into more Buffalo Bills topics surrounding the Buffalo Bills, One Bills Drive in Orchard Park, New York. Obviously, a lot to talk about on today's episode. We're going to dive into some key position battles as well. Recent news that the Buffalo Bills will not be conducting training camp at their usual training camp facility at St. John Fisher College. They will be conducting the training camp in the 2020 offseason in preparation for the 2020 season in Orchard Park, New York. So here we are back on the Crowd Assist podcast, joined by Kevin Masari. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Good to talk to you. Doing as well as I can be. Um, that's just getting by and getting through another day and hope, hoping more closer to sports as training camp opens and baseball potentially opens in the next, I don't know, three to four weeks with some sl- slate of games. So, um, you know, looking looking forward to, to that. And keep trekking on is, you know, regardless of what's going on in the world, it's kind of the dead period of um, the Bills football season right now as, you know, normally even in this early to mid-June, it's um, really just getting ready for camp. Right, yeah, we're really just counting down the days to training camp at this point. And oddly enough, uh, you know, along the way, we have had tidbits of information here on the season some some sort of optimism I guess you could say with that recent video of Josh Allen firing footballs to Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis and obviously Stefan Diggs I don't know about you but to start the show to start off the show with some optimism here um, I think everybody needs a little bit of it right now um, I really appreciated seeing the video of Stefan Diggs walking up to Josh Allen giving him the dap saying what's up bud and all that stuff did that did that put the hairs on the back of your neck? Did that make them stand up? The, the hair on your arms stand up a little bit? It did for me. Um, I think I think a tad. I, I think I might be yeah. a, a weirdo that's doesn't take too much from that. <laughs> um, those specific things is that they happen every year, whether it's um, right. you know that you see most quarterbacks getting together with the receivers, running backs, and tight ends, and and doing some of that. And uh, yeah, I actually got in trouble because I tweeted. Um, about who I didn't notice there. And one of the people was uh, Tyler Croft and uh, his wife actually tweeted at me saying they were pregnant or due to COVID, he wasn't allowed oh, to wow. be there apparently. So, you know, don't have medicals um, before each tweet, you know, especially, you know, medicals that you know aren't public. Um, right. So, you know, good luck to them and their, their future child. But at the same time, um, you know, all it was was a tweet saying, you know, Tyler wasn't there. <laughs> um, wasn't, not at true. Um, so, you right. know, that those are valuable raps on your part. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's valuable raps. Yeah. And I mean, you, you start to, you know, try to find as, as much optimism, as, as much optimism as you can. Um, and normally, as you said, I wouldn't be as optimistic about that. I wouldn't go, you know, woohoo about that. If we weren't living in just this really weird period of time, Right. Um, and as you said, you mentioned from the top, I, I know you're an avid baseball guy, as am I. We root for the opposite sides of the spectrum. You're a Yankees fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, but at this point, Kevin, I would take watching Yankee baseball every single day over nothing. All I got sure. is, is my UFC. So <laughs> I'm, oh, hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that baseball makes that comeback. But uh, it, it looks like things are getting a little bit dicey with that. It's been a lot of back and forth. I don't even know what to believe anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy time for that sport. I mean, you got 
it's a weird one usually where there's you know problems on one side or the other but that i mean the players are being greedy that the, the owners just can't figure it out um they can't figure out you know 40 percent lost revenue in that sport so it's going to be a weird one we'll see how that affects it but you know as we get into training camp here baseball's really got to figure it out um as they right. go head to head here with the nfl you know in a few short weeks call it you know a month maybe you know month well a month will still put us in early july but um that sport's got to figure it out to compete head and head to head with even preseason i think this is what i said the other day ryan is um i think that preseason football is going to be the most watched preseason in nfl history where a lot of people complain about those games i'm still thinking i don't know if this will be true i don't know i don't know that they'll do four games i think that's probably a good place to start with all of this i don't know that they'll do four games i feel like one home one road maybe some variation of like uh a scrimmage, uh, maybe a scrimmage like that's that, closed right? doors, not practice. A scrimmage, something like that, or maybe just two football game, two preseason football games, and a little bit more practice. I don't know. That's kind of just my initial thoughts. That especially is August, where you know we might still be in phase three, uh, phase four. I don't, I don't ever know what the differences are. Uh, phase four is fully opening. Phase three is like under fifty people or whatever. Um, so I think that we still might be in that, in that phase from going from one to two to two to three, and then three to four, I think is a lot, lot longer, um, you know, before they open up movie theaters, you know, malls, sports games. So I think at least in August, we're going to get some type of, I can't imagine playing preseason games without fans. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Regular season games, completely different, different money, different, different contracts. I just don't see preseason football games existing without fans. I, I think all owners would probably, maybe even players would agree that, you know, one, one per, per home game or one per city would probably be plenty um, axing the other two. So that, that would lead to a really cool atmosphere of two games. Uh, everyone probably watching every minute of those and breaking them down a lot more than they normally do and getting rid of that fourth preseason game, which I enjoy, but many people don't. Um, so I think, you know, you really, you know, maybe Josh Allen plays a half of each of those games and, you know, it's a little bit more playing time than they usually get, but it's less game. So, I mean, I think that that's a really cool place to start because I'm, right. I'm not positive we're going to get a traditional four preseason game schedule. I don't think anyone will complain on either side of the fence if they do one game at, um, in each city. So meaning one home game per team and that, you know, you really play your starters um, more than you normally do because they're not going to have that that third preseason game. So that's some of my initial thoughts. Maybe there's a, a, a calculated scrimmage thrown in there. I don't – they said there's no joint practices this year, um, but that doesn't mean they can't um, do some form of scrimmages somewhere. But then that's essentially a preseason game, especially without fans. So I really think that it would be more of a one, one preseason game per team per city. Um, and – uh, per one home game per yeah, that, that, yeah that makes yeah that, that would make a ton of sense i think the the most interesting observation that we will have you know guys like yourself and myself throughout this, this entire off season is, is that will guys like us be able to be field side and, and watch these quote-unquote key position battles and, sure. and normally you know we have a, a time where, you know, it's date A to date B, training camp starts, training camp ends, where you have, you know, it's open to the public and it's open to media members, where you can really get a, a really cool look, uh, somewhat of a hard knocks look at, at who is given that little bit of extra effort to make that final spot, whether it's the, the sixth or seventh wide receiver or the, the fifth or sixth corner or 
um, you know, the extra halfback or, or whatnot. Um, obviously, a quarterback battle is, is always interesting, whether it's a third string or trying to make it or, or a backup quarterback battle. Um, as far as this offseason goes, I mean, it's tough to guess whether or not there will be media available to, to watch these training camps. So as I, I jotted down these key position battles, it, it's almost most likely going to be hearsay um, in terms of what we'll hear. Um, because if it's closed off to the media, then, then does the info really come out the, the right way? You know what I'm saying? Or, or right. do you think, you know, this will be more dictated by the team saying, Hey, well, right now Tyler Bass is, is kicking footballs better than Stephen Hauschka or, or Stephen Hauschka is kicking balls better than Tyler Bass. How do we really know if we're not there to see it? You know, it's a very interesting time um, for, for what could be at stake here for training camp. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to imagine the media is going to definitely be allowed. It's just going to be like when uh, training camp breaks and they go back to um, new era fields to do, you know, pick it up before the season starts those last couple of weeks. Um, in late August um, before cuts. So we're going to rely on the media. So unfortunately, we're going to have to rely, or fortunately, we're going to have to rely on, you know, the WGR guys, the athletic guys, you know, New York Upstate guys um, that are going to be there um, giving us the news and nuggets. So we're going to have to piece together our own thoughts. But yeah, I mean, I think that's going to, we're going to see preseason games. I Maybe it's going to be all four, Ryan. I, I, it's, it's just a prediction that I can't see each city hosting two preseason games without fans. Um, I think th- the best chance we have is to see how the season goes. Preseason goes without fans. I mean, I think we need to all use that as a test. If we think we're going to have fans this season, we need to start in August and we need to start with no fans. Um, the NFL can say they tried it. They have the statistics, everything was good. And then they can roll out fans for September. Um, so I don't believe there'll be fans in August. I think it'll just be too early. So yeah, with no 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 one at training camp, it's, we're going to rely on the media. But then the first real time we're all going to see our teams, you know, up close and personal, will be on our TV screens in early August, um, you know, right. August tenth or twelfth or whatever that first game is. Um, so I think if it doesn't change, that's the way it's going to roll. Um, and we're going to, I still am going to go with saying that these are going to be with the, with the way that we've had our, um, entire 2020, you know, these games are going to be super watched, probably going to talk about them more than we normally do. Um, this is going to be a big chance for all the players to get seen. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of everything, you know, you have a QB two battle going on. I mean, kicker battle, you know, some defensive spots, maybe a cornerback, but it's going to be a really big time for teams, especially if they lose these preseason games in any capacity. So it could be anywhere from, you know, one, one game, each team without fans. And then toward the end of August that they open it up to just try it out. Could be no fans at any of them. It could be a scaled back one or two games total in the preseason. So this, this is really a big unknown as even the governors of each you know state don't really know what to say at this point. They don't even know what to, to, to do about schools for, for kids yet. So um, I, right. I, I don't know that we know that we're going to see fans at any time soon, but I definitely don't think we're going to see fans in August. So it's going to lead to a cool type of thing where we're going to have to, you know, really focus on these preseason games. But I think it's, you know, people are more than ready for August and more than ready to dive in and watch some sports and see these guys for the first time because you're not going to be able to get out to training camp. But, you know, there's still going to be video. I can see the team pumping out video content to your point, and I can see the media um, really – doing some cool things this year, especially knowing that they're going to be relied on heavily. So we're going to see what media members step up to the plate and which ones um, really didn't give us the details that we wanted. That's a very good point. And from the perspective of, 
a lot of these teams have taken this, I guess, turn a new leaf in a way of creating content like the Buffalo Bills have with Buffalo Bills Embedded, where you really right. get to see what goes on in, in between the meeting rooms with McDermott and company and even the When's episode Scouts. two of that, by the way, Speak of the Devil? That's what I'm waiting for. I was just about to say, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on an episode two. Episode one was fantastic for, for this off ago, yeah. a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, and I definitely think from, from the standpoint of just picturing it in my mind, um, the NFL preseason without fans or, you know, let's just say they, they play a game without fans. Right. I, I have watched – the UFC the last you know three four weeks since they made their comeback and they've had these fights without fans and I thought that it would be you know pretty different but it's actually been a, a very unique viewing experience because you hear things a little bit more you're able to, to really pay attention to detail a lot more without a crowd involved um, it, it's it's been unique in a, in a positive way so I think if the NFL wants to really dial in some unique ways uh, from a fan's perspective of watching a game, um, they could definitely do that without fans there as well. Right. There's definitely a lot of different ways they could do that, whether it's miking up coaches or miking up players like the XFL did, or um, just having that attention to detail on the quarterback as he makes adjustments at the line. There's a lot of really cool, unique things that they trash can do. talking, and you know, trash, trash talking. talking. Yeah. Trash talking. They might need to put out the, the Jerry Springer bleep for the, for the trash talking. We but, might see uh, that. Yeah. We might see that. We might see it. We might. So, but yeah, in, in terms of the preseason, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, the preseason to me is, is actually really important uh, regardless as to whether they have two games, three games, four games in a very, uh, unprecedented off season where it's been unlike any off season in recent memory, you, you really need to get that valuable playing time in the preseason and, and, and allowing yourself to see other teams and what right. they bring to the table. Um, I, I go back to Josh Allen's rookie year, that, that Cleveland Browns game where he whipped that touchdown pass in on the back corner. I can't remember who caught that off the top of my head, but that was when I thought, man, this kid can play, you know, he might be able to start week one. Well, when Nate Peterman didn't really go so well that game, they eventually put Josh Allen in. But um, I think from the offseason perspective, though, we will have media there, I do think. It's just one of those things that I've kind of wondered about. And, you know, we do have to trust that the media uh, portrays this in, in, in a um, truthful manner. And we got some real key position battles in, in this training camp once again. Um, Take me through, you know, if you were to, to pick one position battle, I definitely have mine. Um, but if you were to take me through your one position battle that you are most looking forward to, uh, tuning in and, and reading about, diving into, what position battle would that be? I mean, it's challenging because the Bills roster didn't turn over anybody. So there's really not a big competition anywhere. But across the board, you'd have to look at it and think of it. It's two different answers. So it's going to be the starting position battle and then roster position battle. So like who's going to make the roster as a position battle at their position or who's going to start at their position. So I think cornerbacks interesting on a, on a starting perspective. I think the whole cornerbacks are pretty much set. I don't know that there's much of a battle for roster spots at the cornerback spot, um, but who starts at that position group and how they lay out. I think they're f fairly happy with Teron jo Taron Johnson at the, in, in the slot there. So that leads it to the battle of Levi Wallace versus Josh Norman, their cornerback too. That's going to be interesting battle. 
I don't think Gaines, I think that he could play a role. Um, you'd have to have a really, really good preseason. I think he's going to play a role into the final roster. Um, but really, I mean, he's, he's really just going up against Cam Lewis and uh, maybe some other undrafted free agents there, Isaiah Brown, uh, a draft pick, Dane Jackson. So I don't know that he's going to have much competition to be knocked off of that, of the last roster spot there for Gaines, but it's really Levi Wallace versus Josh Norman. You know, you have Cam Lewis that's been working out with the Bills, I mean, XUB player who's, you know, was liked, kept all season on the practice squad. Dane Jackson, their seventh round pick. Uh, Saran Neal, their backup nickel, pretty much set there. I, I just don't see Gaines make it a play anywhere. And then I also don't really see where the roster spot would come from outside of an injury. So that position group just really at the cornerback two spot, not necessarily on the roster battles. And then kicker. I mean, kicker is interesting. Are you going to go? It's a really important position. Are you going to go with, you know, the brand new, you know, good big leg Tyler Bass, you know, made some game winning field goals. I uh, had a really, really good um, junior year. Or are you going to go with the incumbent? You know, or are you going to go with Steven Hauschka? You know, like what are you going to do there at that position group who was awful in the beginning of the year to end the year uh, two years ago, um, kind of picked it up toward the playoffs and, and got a little bit back on track after borderline being cut. Um, if they would have put it, they put in their waiver claim for Chase McLaughlin um, round week 10, um, and he ended up going to Indy and signing a contract. I could tell in preseason that that was a better battle than most people were talking about last year. So are we going to get that out of Tyler Bass? They did spend a draft pick on him. Are they going to keep a roster spot on him in general? Are they going to put him on the practice squad? A very interesting name, um, if especially if he loses that battle, Ryan. So those are the two I'm looking at. So if, and then if you pick on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, there's really not much battling going on there, to be honest. You know, you have a QB2 battle. Is Fromm going to do enough to stay on the roster as QB3? Is he going to win the QB2 job? Is Barkley going to do enough to stay? Um, but other, other than that, I mean, I just don't see a battle. You have the starting three receivers. you got kind of the running back, um, you know, combo, trio, if you want to call it. I don't really see enough compelling story at tight end. You know, it's really just Dawson Knox. So I guess Tyler Croft do enough at his salary number to stay on the roster. Um, I mean, there's really nothing else there that jumps out to me. It's the same starting offensive line. If you want to call Cody Ford versus Ty Inseki a battle to watch, I don't, I'm not super interested in that. Um, I think it's all pretty straightforward. I guess the Daryl Williams could play a role in this ex Carolina player who had really good seasons, but there's really nothing there on the offensive side of the ball that I'm going to be watching for in terms of roster battles. But I still think that cornerback two, the kicker spot, QB two, if you, if you call that interesting. And then, you know, what are the defensive line rotations going to look like? Is, is um, Quentin Jefferson going to hop out to the outside and pass sets? You know, what's going to happen um, at, that, at that defensive line position? But once again, I think that that's a fairly solid nine players that are going to make that roster um, and not much competition um, without an injury um, for any of those guys fighting for a roster spot. Yeah, out of out of those that you mentioned, I, you know, my key position battle would have been Tyler Bass versus Stephen Hauschka. Okay. I find it very interesting in this dollars and cents reasons. If this is remotely a battle, which I think it's going to be, right? And I assess it kind of like a, a fight. I look at a fight like you know, fighter A versus fighter B. Right. This fight is going to be as as tough a fight for both guys as I think it's going to be then the judges slash the coaches might go with the flashier option. The guy that maybe threw more punches, landed more kicks, but threw, you know, crazy stuff that landed. And Tyler Bass reminds me of, of just that crazy, talented, sky's the limit potential 
um, where Stephen Hauschka, great kicker in his own right, no doubt about it. He's been one of the most reliable kickers over the last you know five to eight years, dating back to his days in Seattle. Um, but from a dollars and cents perspective, if this is a battle and they're neck and neck, I I I don't see them going with Hauschka. I see them maybe parting ways with Hauschka to get a little bit of some cap relief and to go with a, a kicker that you know as we as we know they used a draft pick on and somebody that was really reliable um, at the collegiate level and, and had uh, some big kicks and some big moments against you know some decent college teams. So um, I think a lot of analysts, draft analysts or, or position analysts would look at Tyler Bass and say he was arguably the best kicker in the draft. And for Buffalo to get him um, for a team like Buffalo, and you know it as well as I do, in a climate like Buffalo, having that kicker, uh, Steve Christie, for example, was key to the success of those teams back in the day. So um, can one of these guys channel their inner Steve Christie and win this battle? I, I, I find that interesting, and I find it interesting that um, the wide receiver battle, uh, I think, is very much in play here. Um, for me, you know, you did mention that the offensive side of the ball wasn't really one that interests you a whole lot because you kind of do have a, 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 a picture in your mind of, of who will start yep. um, on the offensive side of the ball. But wide receiver-wise, with, with Diggs, with Brown, with Beasley – you definitely know that what those three guys bring beyond that, you really do have um, some feast or famine type players that, Hey, they, they really got to bring it or they might not make the team because you got some new blood. How good is that new blood going to be with Isaiah um, Hodgins and, and Gabe Davis? Uh, and then you have the whole Duke Williams phenomenon versus Robert Foster. I think if I were to piece up a roster and, and predict the roster in, in a sense here, I think the key position battle at wide receiver is Duke Williams versus Robert Foster. Um, because I like what both of these receivers bring um, in terms of an athletic, you know, skill set. Plus you have a guy in Andre Roberts who was a really, you know, decent return man yeah. um, as well as Isaiah McKenzie, who they used in a lot of different ways. So I think wide receiver between those few guys there that I just mentioned, it's going to be very interesting to see which ones really rise to the top and make the roster. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to find a roster spot for a kicker punt returner. I don't know that you can stash the depth and, and talented as this roster is. I don't know that you can keep Robert as just a kick and punt returner. Um, you're going to have to evaluate how good he's over the mean, how good he is over the mean of an average kicker punt returner, and then determine if that's worth a roster spot. Maybe it is. I'm sure they're going to have the numbers and analytics to back up whatever their decision is. Um, but I think that, you know, they do have Taiwan Jones, who they're going to use as their fourth running back, who is a step up from Snorris Perry, um, made a play against basically beat the Bills in um, overtime last year in the playoffs, uh, is a player that is going to be relied on, at least in special teams in a lot of categories. So does he take over for kick return, which isn't a super important side um right now especially do you is there is there a way that you can you know save that Andre Roberts roster spot or she's good enough that you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna want to mess with it and gonna keep him as your sixth receiver I don't know we'll have to see like Isaiah McKenzie we forgot to mention him um he absolutely could do some punt and kick um so if he's the sixth man gadget guy he's gonna bring a lot to the table so I think whoever makes it at that spot um is going to have to be a kick. So Isaiah McKenzie's way to the rosters, be a better receiver than Andre Roberts, and then do good enough as a kick and punt returner. 
Um, so it's going to be a battle. So to me, I think it's a, a McKenzie versus Roberts battle there for a sixth spot. That's kind of how I, I look at it. And you're right. It's probably a Duke Williams versus Robert Foster spot. Uh, I don't know that you can keep Isaiah Hodgins on the roster without a good, good training camp. I think Gabe mm-hmm. Davis, you know, being seemed enthralled with him. Wasn't my favorite pick of the, as we talked about on the show, mm-hmm. but um, you know, the, the, the roster, they do like him a lot on this roster. So I do think he's going to be one of the final members. Maybe he makes a play toward that fourth receiver position and could step in, in an, in an emergency situation being made. It seem like he'd be a day two guy um, in other drafts. So we'll see if he's a guy that gets playing time. He was by far the best player on their board or so they say, um, but injuries play a role at that. I think that's the depth portion. And then guess what? They don't get compensation picks. So what are the bills going to go ahead and do? They're going to trade one of these guys. I do think they're going to get a late round draft choice um, for one of those names we just mentioned. Um, they've done it before. Um, they've, done, they've traded Ray Ray McLeod once. Um, you know, what will happen um, on this roster? Robert Foster might be the appeal to someone as showing his year two years ago. And maybe we'll get them back a six round draft choice and then pushing Isaiah Hodgins on the roster. So we're going to have to see injuries play a role, trades play a role. It is an interesting group, like you said, on the four to six front, um, obviously less interesting one through three, um, but it's going to be a battle there. And I think they have depth on the offensive line to trade. Um, so as, although there's not any real heated battles, um, you know, I think the nine's pretty straight up there, but if someone plays good, like an Evan Bohm, a guy that started in Miami, you could go ahead and trade him. You have Spencer Long here, so you go ahead and trade him. He could start somewhere. Um, you know, Ryan Bates is a guy that's already been traded from Philly. Um, Ike Butker um, is a guy that's been claimed by Kansas City and claimed by the Bills, so he he has some needs. And then Trey Adams is a, is a was a high thought about player. So there's a lot of moves that could happen here, Ryan. There's a lot of things that could go on, um, and we'll see what ends up happening. But I do think that there's some trades being can make to get some of those comp pick type of guys back um, in this this upcoming draft, as well as save $3 million on Steven Hauschka. So I think those are, those right. are real key, key points. You pay Bass 650 K you gave him a six round draft choice. You let McLaughlin leave last year. I don't think they'll make the same mistake this year. I think Bass has his, has early heads up outside of being terrible. Uh, that, that could still be a thing. You get here and be bad. And then, you know, this is all a moot point, but with a good preseason, I do think it's his job at that salary range. The bills would save $2 million against the cap that they can roll over next year. Um, and, and keep that around 22 to, you know, $22 million. And I think Spencer Long and Tyler Croft are going to have a tough time making this roster. That's not even talking about Trent Murphy. So there are some cap casualties or some trades that could be made. Um, and the Bills could roll over about $30 million factoring in all those players and, and use them for much needed extensions in, next year. Now, I, I can't stand when I read articles and it says an unnamed special teams coach or an unnamed, it's like, put your name out there, you know, but be, 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 uh, be forward about it. I read today right. uh, that Tyler Bass was quoted. It was quoted by a unnamed special teams coach in the national football league. He said that Tyler Bass could change NFL kicking forever. Why? Those were his exact words. He didn't, ex- he didn't say, um, and that's where it's like, is that just a clickbait? So who, who knows? Was that he farewell or no, it wasn't. It, it, they didn't say who it was. It said it was unnamed. Um, and I found that it was on Google. I was just reading and they said that he could change kicking huh. forever. And it's like, okay, you know, but I'm just going to guess, you know, I don't know what they meant by that, but just from watching how this guy prepares as a kicker, it's very interesting. I see kickers, you know, from time to time 
preparing in the way that they actually kick in the National Football League, you know, the, the three-step, you know, kick, all that stuff. And this guy's taking like two-step kicks, one-step I mean, he's, he's practicing from very short, limited spaces and trying to drill a 55, 60-yard field goal. And they're going through and they're rainbow kicks. So I'm very curious to see how this guy translates his skill set to sure. NFL, even training camp atmosphere. I think that'll be very, very interesting. And, you know, from the perspective of, let me just throw out the guys that I'm, that I'm kind of rooting for here. Um, shout out to Robert Foster. I honestly think that Robert Foster has so much untapped potential. We saw what he was capable of in, in Josh Allen's rookie season towards that tail end. Uh, honestly, last year, uh, if my memory serves me right, the Cleveland game, I believe, he made a very clutch catch, got kind of ran out, you know, ran out of bounds and, and got hurt. And he, and he just, he just didn't appear to be the same and get back on the, you know, get back into the swing of things after that. So I'm rooting for Robert Foster. I, I am rooting for him to make this team. Um, I think he's a solid player. You know, he's a back end wide receiver, obviously on this team, especially with the addition of Stephon Diggs. But, you know, if an injury were to happen, as we've talked about the Diggs or, or John Brown, I feel like Robert Foster could fill in there really nicely. So, um, that that's definitely worth noting as well, but a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Um, you know, obviously we're inching closer to training camp. We're in a little bit of a, uh, dead spot here in the sea in the off season. There's not really much sports in general to talk about, but as always, Buffalo Bills fans need to have their thirst quenched for Buffalo Bills content. We look to bring that to the Buffalo Bills fans on the crowd assist podcast presented by train sports. Uh, for more, check out the crowd assist podcast, uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud for past episodes, uh, as well for future episodes. I'm Ryan Thomas. It was Kevin Masari. Take care, everybody.